Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. But God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. Interpersonal relationships are hard. It's hard because we don't always say what we mean. We don't always mean what we say. We don't always understand what we want. We don't always listen and try to understand what other people need. And it becomes really messy. It's easy to try to abstract this to just this, like do the right thing, say the right thing, have the right processes. But underneath all of that is what I guess some people call an emotional intelligence, which is the ability for us to connect with each other at the level of emotions. And so that is important for a couple. It's important for organizations. And we're just starting to figure that out. Hi, and welcome to this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot with Gabe, and if you were with us last week, we started a conversation revolving around our faith, our emotions, and neuroscience. It was a conversation on a relatively new podcast that Q Ideas produces called NeuroFaith. Now, Gabe, remind us about this podcast. So if you're not familiar with NeuroFaith, NeuroFaith is another podcast that we've launched through Q Ideas that's hosted by Dr. Kurt Thompson. Now, Dr. Kurt Thompson's board-certified psychiatrist. He explores all these themes around interpersonal neurobiology and Christianity. And NeuroFaith helps listeners like you discover how your minds were built to function and how to implement healthy practices that confront fear and encourage mindfulness. And I will say in our culture today, this conversation around neuroscience and NeuroFaith could not be more important for the believer. There's been a couple of seasons now of this podcast going forward on NeuroFaith. I would love for you to subscribe to that podcast, start getting that in your feed. We do short seasons on that with Dr. Kurt Thompson interviewing very specific scientists, counselors, and others who can help you get a better grasp of how you're processing your emotions and what's working inside your mind and what needs a little bit of work. Yeah, and by the way, you can find the NeuroFaith podcast on almost all the major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbay, and others. Now, again, today this is part two from a lengthy discussion Kurt Thompson had with his guest talking around how our emotions fit in with our spiritual walk. Gabe, can you set us up for us again? Now, this episode's from season two, and it has Kurt Thompson exploring these topics with two people. One is Tristan Collins, who's a licensed professional counselor, and her husband, John Collins. He's a co-founder of The Bible Project. And together, they're going to have a conversation about why emotions matter to God and how our emotions do show our humanity. Now, we live in a world that's quite emotive, and so many people aren't having a problem expressing their emotions. And sometimes that can get out of hand. But there's also a population of people who don't understand the value of actually reading their emotions, understanding why they're feeling certain things, and going deeper into 
how God's wired us to feel emotions because he wants to drive us towards relationship. He wants to drive us towards others. And I think in this conversation, you're going to start to explore that, whether you're somebody who's very comfortable sharing your emotions and you know what you feel and you're very good at tracking that, or you're somebody who that's a new conversation for. And you've heard others tell you you should get in touch with your emotions, or maybe you have a spouse who said, I don't think you're feeling right now. You're kind of numb. I think this conversation will be illuminating, and I hope you enjoy it. Well, the first half of the conversation definitely was. If you missed it, you can find it at MyFaithRadio.com or on the Faith Radio app. Listen to last week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons show. Or, as we mentioned, this is actually from the Nero Faith podcast, which means you can go and listen to that on any podcast platform. Let's get back to Kurt Thompson's conversation with John Collins from The Bible Project and his wife, Tristan, who is a licensed professional counselor here on Q Ideas. As again, we think about our emotions and our our faith. I'm, I'm wondering, especially as uh, our listeners are mostly thoughtful people of faith, what does it mean for us? What are the significant things that we can learn? And, and I'm also curious for you too, uh, Tristan, like how what you just said is applicable, not just to the client that comes into your office with PTSD, but we have a lot of structures in our churches. We have a lot of business. We have a lot of things that organize themselves around this notion that emotion is this thing we have to put up with, but that it is not something necessarily that informs us very much. We have faith structures in which we've been taught and preached and so forth and so on that sees faith as this abstract, rational algorithm rather than an embodied, breathing, living, being, emotional force in the world I'd love to hear again how each of you would see how what you're doing in the book and your collaborative work together, what that has to say to our faith communities about what does it mean for us to be people of faith and how paying attention to the things that you're paying attention to makes it more likely for us to flourish. There's a lot of different perspectives about emotions amongst many different faith communities. The one I grew up in, the one I think a lot of people are familiar with is one that you just like you just described, that my relationship with God is a, a rational puzzle to be solved. And going to heaven is about knowing the right, the right things and being able to say the right things and believe the right things. And this theological puzzle, it became this, this rational game. And then also a part of that is a distrust in emotions because they're all connected to the vices. So it all, it all came down to a lot of suspicion that emotions can't be trusted and a desire to just kind of control and rein in our emotions. Actually, Plato famously gave the analogy of the, uh, the charioteer being pulled by two horses. The charioteer represents your rational mind and the two horses represent your emotions. The one was like a, the noble emotions and one was like the ugly emotions. But both of them were pulling you along and you and with your rational mind need to rein them in and control them. And that that's the dualism that I think was wholly adopted by many faith traditions. We need to like just rein in and control our emotions. And uh, what we understand now is more like, like emotion and reason are co-pilots that are working together 
Mm -hmm. And we can think about our emotions. Our emotions actually shape our thoughts and it works together. And that um, the spirit of God can actually come in and help transform both. And so we actually need help to rein in everything, our flesh in general, as, as the Apostle Paul says. So by being curious and respectful of emotions, wanting to kind of come to them on their own terms and understand them uh, was a different perspective than I was given. And it's not to say that they're always going to be good or right, but that they are signaling something important and they have a, something valuable to teach us. I think in the faith communities, what I've noticed is there's confusion between emotions, thoughts, and behaviors. And they kind of get just, and I'm sure you've probably seen this too, where they just get all just in the same boat, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm feeling angry and therefore it's okay for me to yell mm -hmm. at somebody. And so, you know, we intuitively feel like, okay, that's wrong. And so we might say, well, it's bad to be angry instead of, you know, anger isn't the problem. It's what you're doing with the anger mm -hmm. and that the behavior of yelling isn't okay. Another thing that I think people pick up on is lies that we might believe. And I would say that's a thought, a thought that we have that takes, you know, time to identify. And so emotions give us information of, you know, what lies we might be believing. And so let's say, you know, the lie is, you know, I believe that I'm not lovable. And so I'm feeling really sad about that. Um, so instead of, you know, saying, well, sadness, we should just ignore that. That is the sadness that can lead us to that belief or that lie that's fueling distance that we're creating in our relationships. And so I think that's where at the, the church community, if they can start to understand the role of emotions, the difference between thoughts and behaviors, we can really equip people to start to make, you know, more distinctions on things that aren't serving us or things that we're doing that aren't really aligned with God's wisdom. But what I found in scripture is God is described as having emotions. Jesus has emotions and that Paul is really just exhorting people. What are you going to do with this, this anger? Are you going to sin or, you know, be careful because anger isn't necessarily the problem, but it's what you do with it. Yeah. I'm struck with it. And it's, it's true in our practice as well. The presenting problems that people come to our practice with uh, often end up being just the foyer of the house in which we are invited into to explore. And I'm, I'm, I would love to hear uh, you talk, Tristan, a little bit about how have you noticed your work in drawing people's attention to their emotion and to a kind of proper way of being in relationship with them. How do you discover that that changes and nourishes and strengthens people's, we might call sanctification process? How does it change their relationship with God uh, in ways that um, have been have brought them to flourishing? What I've experienced with emotion is that emotions connect us in our relationships and so just thinking in human relationships that when my um, good friend or my client shares with me their, their sadness, I'm really drawn in and it really can create like a, a bond. And I think that when you've lived your life um, ignoring or suppressing emotions, it makes it difficult for people to feel close to you, you know, and that I think that affects your relationship with God as well that I've noticed with clients when they can really be honest 
first in the relationships with, with people about, you know, ways that they've been really hurt and broken or what they're really jealous about or what they're really angry about, that that breaks open their, their soul in a way that they can commune with God in a different way. And that, um, you know, when we can tell God what we're really angry about and what we're really, you know, feeling despair about, that that helps our, our relationship with God and it changes us. It's changed me in that mm-hmm. way too. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we talk about in the work that we do is uh, if, you know, people ask what do I do as a psychiatrist and I, I say, besides the medical interventions and so forth, I think one of the things that we think that we're trying to do is to enable people to tell their stories more truly. And by truly, we don't just mean uh, telling them more closely aligned with the facts what we're really meaning is telling them more faithfully, telling them more inclusively, including all the things that are true about their story. And I think about the way the two of you have beautifully articulated this notion of how we can get separated into thinking that, you know, our, our emotion is this thing that we have to put up with and that we have to sequester and, you know, somehow contain just so it doesn't bother me too much. And what begins to happen the richness that begins to flow into a person's life when we begin to take, dare we might say, a more biblical posture toward the way we've been made more fully with the breath of God. And I'm wondering, uh, John, as you are discovering these things and you've had some sense of new way of being, I'm, I'm wondering how in the work that you do, um, how this has uh, contributed to the work that you do with the Bible project or anything else that you're doing that, that, that where, where has it had practical implication for you? Well, I would say even just personally, um, it's had a lot of impact for me. I think I tell a story, this story in the book where I was having a lot of anxiety and, um, and because I would ignore my anxiety, not even pay attention to it, not even really understanding that I was having it. Uh, I think my body had to ramp it up. And it got to the point where um, I'd have these weird experiences where just like my my thoughts were racing. Everything seemed kind of loud, but then quiet at the same time and um, and and still, but kind of frantic. It was just this weird, weird moment. And for me, I, I experienced it in this detached manner of like, huh, what's going on? Um, and at one point, Tristan, I was telling her about this and she's like, that's <laughs> – that's anxiety. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like a panic. Let's just be frank. That's not just anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so I I started to pay more attention to when this was happening and try to understand well, what is it trying to communicate to me. And it happened actually at one point where I was dealing with uh, a business partner that was having a hard time knowing if I could trust. And in my mind. I was giving myself all these reasons why I couldn't conclude whether or not yet decisively whether or not I can trust this guy. But my body had a different opinion and it was trying to talk to me. And so actually just kind of one night waking me up, realizing this is why I'm having this anxiety and then making a decision like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to close off this relationship. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't understand, one, to be able to identify what I was feeling, but two, to be able to investigate what it is that this feeling is trying to communicate to me. 
And, uh, and that same anxiety appeared when I was selling a business, this fear of, man, will I have enough? Will this, will the sale of this business represent enough for the kind of freedom I want to be able to do the work that I want? I started getting really, really anxious about it and realizing that anxiety and actually being able to then bring that to God and like talk to God about it and, and having a really wonderful experience where God was able to pretty much tell me like he will be enough mm. and me coming to terms with that. Mm. And that all happened through my understanding of, of, of that emotion. Um, and so I, I do hope that it's also impacting kind of the organization that we're building. I mean, we have a hundred employees now at Bible project and um, there's a proverb um, that uh, where, the, when you have many ox, the stable are full. <laughs> And it's talking about ox poop, that when you have a lot of ox to work the field, there's also a lot of ox poop. <laughs> okay, wait. We, I mean, we're just, people are going to like, Chris, pause, rewind, play it again. Pause, rewind, play it again. Oh my gosh. Go ahead. Yeah. And um, yeah, we all, we all understand this, like interpersonal relationships are hard. And um, it's hard because... We don't always say what we mean. We don't always mean what we say. We don't always understand what we want. We don't always listen and try to understand what other people need. And it becomes really messy. And um, it's easy to try to abstract this to just this, like, well, just do, just do the right thing, say the right thing, have the right processes. But underneath all of that is what I guess some people call an emotional intelligence, which is the ability for us to connect with each other at the level of emotions, um, our own emotions and, and other people's. And so that is important for a couple. It's important for organizations. And we're just starting to figure that out. Um, and we'll have to continue to figure that out. Um, but, I, but it's the way we respect the image of God in each other. Tristan, uh, in your bio, you describe yourself as uh, the mother of two active boys, uh, mm -hmm. and so I'm. I'm really. I mean, I know I'm. I'm. I'm the parent of a 28 and 31 year old, and even still, uh, there are times when my wife and I believe that we should be in charge of our children's lives. We would much rather be. We want to tell them and and. The number of times that we feel things that we want to regulate, we would like our kids to do what we think they should do in order for us to regulate. I, and so yeah, even I, as a clinician, have a, some, you know, it's not always easy for me to like uh, step out of the father role and behave as if I, you know, my emotion is like in charge of me rather than the other way around, yeah. even with mm -hmm. my adult children. I, I definitely would, understand that. <laughs> yeah. I would love to hear you say more about how your, uh, how really working with this, not just learning about this, but really embodying this, not just embodying emotion, but embodying your awareness of all these things. How, how would you say that makes its way into your parenting and how, uh, what, what's that like for you? And how has even the work on this book contributed to what it's like for you to be a parent? Well, one of the things that I've noticed is that being an empathic person you know, has its high, high side, but it also has its, sh its shadow side, which means that I feel what other people feel. And the shadow side comes out with my kids and my husband, if they're really feeling intensely stressed and they're targeting, you know, their anger, it's just coming out. Like it hits me in a way 
that it doesn't hit John. Like I can get caught up. I can get dysregulated pretty easily if they're dysregulated as well. Um, and so I've just had to really be aware of, you know, sometimes I just need to step away to regulate myself so I can even just be present um, with them and to just understand my limits. I think the, the Enneagram has been really helpful for me to give language of, you know, really understanding that as an Enneagram 2, it's easy for me to want to ignore my limits and um, not really express what I need. And that really the growth point for me is to say, you know, I've, I've hit my limit. I need help. Um, I'm sorry, I can't be here for you right now. And that's very difficult as a parent and then especially a two um, to just acknowledge my limits. But I think the gift that I give to my, my family and my boys is for them to acknowledge their limits as well. And it's just really rewarding to hear from my boys using language that I didn't have as a kid. Um, like saying, you know, I'm, I'm really afraid of being embarrassed or being an embarrassment and that it just means so much to me that, you know, they would be able to share that with me and feel safe to just say that their fear and concerns and, um, yeah, I can't fix it. Um, but I can just hold it and know that they, they trust me enough that to just express that and know that, you know, it's not going to be overwhelming for them. If that happens. Well, I, I think too, about the way as you're talking, I'm thinking like, my goodness, like you are, you know, we, when we think about the, the English language translation of, of Genesis two, seven, this notion, and, and then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the earth, this notion of forming, being intentional, being lengthy, it doesn't happen in an instant. It's not, he's not just stamping out widgets. And I think about the way, and 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 he forms a physicality. He, this this physicality that comes, at least initially, at least it would appear. And I think about how, even as we talk about emotion, I'm, I'm imagining as you are forming your boys, you're not just forming some uh, in them some abstract way of thinking about faith by talking about emotion, by inviting them to put language to emotion. Uh, I'm, I'm picturing, given everything you've told me, I'm like, I'm, I'm having this moment of kind of, you know, revelation, this, this notion of how you are forming their very bodies by drawing their attention to their emotion that they experience in their physicality. Uh, I, 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 myself as well, not something that my parents would have been drawing my attention to. And I think to myself, my goodness, how fortunate are your sons that they are being formed and being given opportunity to be introduced to the God who has made them as they truly have been made because they're being introduced to all those parts as opposed to only some of them. You know, if I get reincarnated, can I come back and be in your family? I, I would like to, <laughs> That's very I'd sweet. I'd like to do that. Well, I think our boys would definitely say otherwise. But... <laughs> yeah, we're screwing them up in other ways. Yeah. yeah. If anything, what I'm hoping that they understand is that we are human and that that Jesus is really what we need in our, in our lives. Right. Right. You know, I, it was we were uh, talking earlier on about the, the Bible project. I think about the way, even the very physicality of what I've witnessed so far in, 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 in many of the um, vignettes where there've been videos played out, the very physicality of how things are drawn, 
and the way that it evokes things in the right hemisphere that allows me to imagine things that I can even feel literally in my body as I'm watching it being drawn in the video while I'm listening to the audit, the audio describing. And I, I also just want to say that in many respects, what you two have done in your book and what you then do, Tristan, in the clinic and what, John, you and your folks are doing at the Bible Project um, are really uh, enabling uh, those of us who get the privilege of being in your presence to uh, witness this full-bodied encounter with the Jesus who's coming for us. And it has been an utter delight to talk with you and to hear of your wisdom. And uh, if people want to get in touch with you, we, we want them to have the opportunity to do that if you would so desire. If you would so not desire, you can just say, no, people may not contact me whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. But if so, how would people get a, you know get in touch with you or find out more about your work and tell us where they can access your book? Uh, yeah, uh, so the book... You can find it at whyemotionsmatter.com or just Google Why Emotions Matter. Tristan's website is tristancollins.com. Her spelling is unique, so maybe look that up. And uh, you can find out more about her work there. Um, and I'm most active online on my Twitter account, which is just at JohnPDX, J-O-N-P-D-X. So if you want to say hi to me, that's a good way to do that. And I'm not very good at social media, so <laughs> you can find me on my website. Yeah. Well, that's because you're spending time with real human beings, with your real human bodies <laughs> in real time and space. That's, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah, indeed. Well, again, thanks for joining us for Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons this week. As again, we were listening to a conversation from the new NeuroFaith podcast that Q produces featuring our good friend Kurt Thompson and Gabe, a great conversation there with John and Tristan Collins, looking again at our faith and how our emotions are an important part of us as humans. It's almost like a counseling session. And I think that's what happens with the NeuroFaith podcast is you're not only becoming aware of some things that you've probably never thought about, you're hearing from the experts, you're hearing from the people who've done the research, who are understanding the way God's uniquely designed the brain. And then we're able to walk away and start applying it to our life, our relationships, how we're even reflective or not, and how we're thinking about the future. So I hope you'll subscribe to NeuroFaith. Do that now. And anywhere you're listening to podcasts, subscribe, share it with friends, and we'll look forward to another episode next week. Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.